0: Chapter 8 of Paul the Dauntless. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by David Leeson. Paul the Dauntless by Basil Joseph Matthews. Chapter 8 The Untraveled World. On a rug on the floor, motionless, seeing nothing, eating and drinking nothing, Saul began to grope his way in the new life that had begun. He was in a luminous darkness, dazed with light. Men said he was blind, and truly his eyes were sightless, yet he himself knew that he really saw now for the first time. The face of Jesus of Nazareth, it was the one unfading vision before his poor sightless eyes. In that face Saul saw, in the sound of that voice in his ears he heard infinite power and triumphant love he was dizzy with a new happiness the consuming fire of his love and worship for the christ burned in him the christ who through the power of god had conquered death and had then with incredible mercy called saul the persecutor himself to his service saul had harried the nazarenes as blasphemers because they declared that the impossible had happened in the peasant jesus but now he knew that it was true for weal or woe come prison or scourge stoning or exile or the cross itself he saul was christ's man now he understood why those nazarenes always glowed with an inner light this was the secret of stephen's radiant face even while the stones beat him to the earth nothing could separate him from the love of christ then his hand went to his breast where the parchment lay what an impossible change had come this letter rolled up in his robe which he fingered but could not see this authority to put the nazarenes in damascus in chains it was just so much waste parchment must be torn up it belonged to a dead past really it had become an authority to put himself in prison what also of his career as a rabbi at jerusalem that was ended forever What would Gamaliel think and say when he heard that his brilliant pupil, the hope of Pharisaism, had turned Nazarene, and his own people at Tarsus, his stern father, the Pharisee of the Pharisees, would he ever speak to his son again? Yet Saul was, in all this turmoil of thoughts, dizzy, not with sorrow, but with a new happiness, he felt as though he had been let out of a dark life-long prison and had found a glorious liberty in a new unexplored land. The great blinding vision that had come to him on the ridge was an arch wherethrough gleamed the untravelled world. The first task then was to explore this vast new continent of thought and to do this with the greatest of all companions. Day after day he brooded there in his blindness, at last as he sat thinking a footstep came into the room and the swish of a man's robe reached his quick ears saul sat silent he felt mysterious hands out of the darkness laid on his head brother saul the words dropped on his ears gratefully then followed the sudden and unexpected words receive your sight and the gift of the holy spirit in that moment scales seemed to drop from his eyes he looked up and saw before him a Jew of Damascus, a follower of Jesus, named Ananias, who told Saul he was to be a witness to every one that Jesus was indeed sent by God. How could Saul do this? He knew, indeed it seemed to him to be the only thing that he did know, that Jesus, who spoke to him on the road, was the Son of God. But how to explain it all, to make other people understand, that was the problem. Why, he had come to Damascus to clap chains on people for saying this very thing. He must be alone to think it all out. He took some food and was strong again. After he had spent a little time with Ananias and the other disciples in Damascus, he took his traveling staff, girded up his robe, and went out. He found himself in the splendid colonnade of a great Roman street. It was called Straight Street because it stretched like an arrow right across damascus from east to west saul stood in the shadow of the covered footway and saw roman chariots rattling over the broad flagged central way the chariots were held up here and there by strings of camels coming in from the east gate the ship of the desert rolling into the port of damascus donkeys passed each laden with a rick of widths for making baskets, till Saul could see only the long ears and the head of each ass peering out from the great arch of twigs. Looking down the great avenue with its rows of marble columns, between the footpaths and the central chariot way, he saw a triumphal arch spanning the street, with triple ways passing beneath it. Saul turned eastward and passed along the footway. The plash of water and fountains sounded gratefully cool in his ears. He would look in and see the mottled moving reflection of the pool on the cloistered vaulting of the courtyard of some great Roman's house. Water. There seemed to be unlimited water in Damascus. Here, even on the very edge of the desert, while in Jerusalem they were obliged, like misers, to store the rains in their great underground cisterns. Whence this plenty?' He would learn that out from under the mountains west of the city, a sacred river ran through caverns measureless to man. It was the ancient Abana, which made and makes Damascus, for this river has saved all that plain from being desert, watering her lovely orchards of figs and pomegranate, her vineyards of purple grapes, her plantations of cool green melons. Olive-faced Jews, sturdy Roman soldiers, weather-beaten Arabs from the desert, brown-faced boys on their way to school, as each went about his own business, wove in and out of the moving threads of the tapestry of the street. He was to be a witness, Ananias had said, not against, but for Jesus to all people. To all these? The question must have framed itself in Saul's mind as he gazed at the medley of peoples. Saul went under the rounded arch of the east gate, and, without companion, walked out toward the low purple hills seven leagues away on the edge of the desert. He wanted to be entirely alone, to go out into the desert, and there discover what he was to do with his future. He could think this out not in the rush of the Roman city of Damascus, but in the silence that is in the starry sky, the peace that is among the lonely hills where he could hear the voice speaking within him so he went out into the yellow sandy wastes of arabia there in some oasis of the desert maybe under a palm tree by a little well he sat and like a great explorer went voyaging on strange seas of thought alone he plunged into virgin forests of thought and cut his way through where no one had gone throwing bridges across deep chasms that no man had ever crossed before chasms like that bottomless ravine between law and love the thoughts which he worked out then have guided what men have believed all through the centuries since it was a difficult exploring for saul who like a scout went ahead of the army to spy out the new land some beliefs that saul had always had from a boy he held even after his meeting with jesus he had always believed that god is all-wise all-good all-powerful He now held this in a deeper, truer way than before. He had always believed that he must be obedient to God absolutely and do his will. He now felt a tingling joy in this obedience because he saw that God is love. He had always believed that God had promised to send the Messiah, the saving prince, to rule the people, and that God would keep that promise. Now he knew that the promise had been kept only in a surprising and glorious way as high above all that he had expected as the heavens were higher than the earth some of saul's new thoughts came from the old root of his boy ideas but were utterly changed like those shining nodding anemones he saw on the roadside which had sprung from hard brown unattractive roots all his life, for instance, from the days when he sat writing with his finger on the sand-strewn floor of the school at Tarsus, he had believed that the law of Moses was to govern every hour of every day of his life, from washing his hands in the morning to taking off his sandals at night. God was like a great headmaster who made rules for his school, but the students never saw his face. Moses had received the law for the school from God, and the rabbis, like Gamaliel, as assistant masters in the school had added more laws till now they were endless saul had been so mad against jesus and his followers just because he believed that the nazarenes were breaking all the rules of the great school of god the school in which saul was training to become an assistant master but now jesus was actually radiantly gloriously alive and had met saul And Saul knew that in the face of Jesus he saw the face of the head of the school himself. And the face was love. The one rule in the whole school was the commandment, love one another. That commandment, Jesus had himself said, is all the law. The other great thoughts that came to Saul he will tell us himself later as we go over the seas and mountains with him. All we need remember now is that Jesus, the heroic, loving Son of God, fearless, pure, and strong, stern to the proud, and tender and healing to the weak and sick, was now Saul's hero and Savior. Saul henceforth simply lived to fight his good fight under the stormy banner of Jesus Christ as after his long time of thinking and prayer saul again pulled his leather girdle tighter and started his walk back from arabia to damascus he knew quite well that he was in for a long perilous fight the jews would be as exceedingly mad against him as he himself had been against stephen and the others they would imprison scourge stone him It would have been so easy to many men to slip away into some other part of the Roman Empire and keep quiet, but not for Saul. He turned his face toward Damascus and Jerusalem, the places where the hate against him would be hottest. He walked across the desert again till, at last, he came to the walls of Damascus and would see the soldier on sentry-go at the east gate, armed from head to foot, i too saul told himself must put on the armor hold your ground he would say to himself as he later said to others tighten the belt of truth about you wear straightness as your coat of mail have your feet shod with the strong shoes of peace take faith as your shield put the helmet of saving on your head and grasp in your hand your broadsword the word of god so he passed in under that damascus gate through which he was never to come out again for men who thirsted for his blood were soon to watch at all the gates of damascus day and night End of chapter eight